Welcome to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast, where your hosts Lonnie and Marty are discussing health, wellness, and the daily habits needed to live a well-balanced lifestyle. Here's the twist. We're not just preaching. We're learning right alongside you. We're pulling in experts, sharing insights, and unlocking the secrets to living our best lives. So if you're up for some laughter, a dash of trial and error, and a whole lot of discovery, tune in to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast. Join us as we continue down this road where every episode brings us closer to unlocking the code to a happy, healthier life. Marty, what's up, my man? How are you this morning? I'm great. I'm great. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I, listen, uh, I know we've been working the last couple of weeks on, on kind of recapping this first season and really discussing on what motivates us, what we've learned, the takeaways, what we've actually implemented into our daily lives. If you remember, one of the reasons why I asked you to do this with me is because how different we are in our approaches, right? And it's funny because when I asked you to give me some of your thoughts and talking points from this first season, you came at me with stuff that was completely different than mine, which is exactly the purpose why we do this together, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed the process of going back because there were a couple of interviews that I almost kind of took for granted or, or like I knew that they were there. But when you go through it, it's like, wow, that there were a bunch of crazy experiences and there were a bunch of really, really uh, cool moments in a lot of those interviews where they were sort of like, oh, wow. And so- Going back and reflecting on those, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to sharing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like eye opening segments because I remember going through when I was trying to do some editing, and there were some things that were said which we're going to go over today. Where I didn't realize, but both of us on screen, our eyes are like boop. boop. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the YouTube version, people, when you're listening to these recap videos, you gotta go. We'll have the timestamps of all these talking points we're going to discuss today, um, so you could look at some of these reactions. Anyways, so we're going to jump into this. We're just going to talk about some of my favorite takeaways, some of Marty's. And again, in the show notes for the episode, we'll put the timestamps if you really want to go back and listen and watch it on the video as well, on the YouTube video portion of the talking points. Okay. So the first one was Alex Crawford. And just as a reminder, Alex Crawford is a, is a trainer. He's an online trainer. I actually discovered him on YouTube during the pandemic. and I, I always say he was one of the, I should say, the very inspiring trainers that kind of got me through COVID. And what I mean was I never really worked out from home. I did some stretching at home, but I really didn't have a lot of knowledge on how to use my own body weight for exercises, right? So he has got some really good content uh, on his YouTube page. He does a lot. He does a great job on social media promoting uh, all of his content. but. My, my, my biggest takeaway from our conversation with, I don't know if you remember this, but um, if you're down and you need to address your mindset, right? On how, like, if you're not, I'm tired, I really don't feel like working out today, or I've got a big meeting, or there's some anxiety you're dealing with or whatever is, is building a mental bank, like some backup little trigger points in your mind to help you overcome these negative uh, thought points that keep you from taking that step to either go to the gym or make a healthier meal or do whatever it is. I'm going to let you guys listen now as we really get into his mental approach on how to put these healthy habits as backup, if you will, to stay motivated. Okay, so check this out. And sometimes you've got to have those those habits as the backup because if people's backup are something more unhealthy or that doesn't motivate them then that creates the negative spiral but if you do the the work the repetitions the the weeks the months the years of knowing that oh wait my backup is some self-care some hydration some early nights in bed some meditation some walking out in nature if they're the the habits that you fall back on then you know you're going to find your way back again so that's where you've got to have that self-awareness and those habits in place that are easily to um, pick back up. Wasn't that great, man? I, I love it. I love it. And I, I've actually, I have a bunch of go-to, I would say like three to four 
that I kind of alternate as those positive mental thoughts that help me because I, I get up earlier and earlier now. So I sometimes I need that little extra, okay, boom. I changed my mindset just by thinking of something positive. So, but I know Marty, you took something away and, and you've been doing it consistently recently, right? With the cold showers. You want to talk a little bit about that? Something that that he really enjoyed that he was getting into that really helped him were cold showers, cold dips, right? So the idea of, hey, uh, this drop into, if you can get your body temperature to drop in your core, it changes your circulation and Ultimately, it does lots of great things in terms of reducing inflammation, which is the secret to longevity in terms of looking younger, feeling younger, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So, and I've known that this is a really positive thing for a number of years, right? But nobody, I, I don't like to take cold showers. I don't want to take cold showers, but I think of myself as a, as a tough guy. So, on one of the episodes, I think we'd asked a question, you know, like, and, and I basically said, yeah, I haven't built up the courage yet. I just started this new gym. They've got a cold dip tub. I haven't built up the courage yet. So, well, I actually went in the cold dip tub at, uh, at this gym and it's really cold. It's, you know, it, this is a, you know, sort of a, like a little bit of a higher end gym. And so they keep the water at a temperature where it's just above freezing, which is where a cold dip tub is supposed to be. A lot of people dump ice into it. They don't need to do that. They have, they regulate it differently. And so when I went in that tub, the first, you know, as I put my, my, my foot in or my leg in, I was like, okay, it's not that bad. I've been, it's like super cold, you know, before when I put my whole body in, I did note, like I noticed that I could feel the change in the circulation because blood is rushing to my core. Right. And so my arms and my legs are getting really cold, like Not bad, like really cold. Like I'm thinking, like, oh my, this is going to be like frostbite or something. Like this is this is painful. This is like. And how much crazy. time elapsed? <laughs> it was initial, like, I did not have a stopwatch, but this realization of oh my gosh, like my arms and my legs, my extremities are getting really cold, happened within I'm going to say 20 seconds. Like wow, it doesn't, seconds, it doesn't yeah. take a long time. It really, 20 seconds is, you know, if you count to 20 seconds, like it's a little bit longer than you think. Like, and I probably made it in there. I'm going to guess maybe 40 seconds total. Now, do you do a total dunk like underneath everything, your whole body, or is it just neck down? Neck down, neck, neck down. down. Yeah. So the whole body neck down. Um, and I think I put the back of my head in at one point, trying to, you know, try to get as much power. I wasn't going to put my face in. And I realized like, oh my God, like I thought I was a tough guy. I thought I could like, no, no, no. So I'm, I'm now going through the process. I did some research, like how to do a cold tip. Right. You want to do something unhealthy. I'm sure, you know, it's not good It's not that it's unhealthy. It's just like mentally you have to prepare yourself. It's almost. You know, I mean, unhealthy in a sense of if you stay in there too long or if you went a complete dunk under, is that bad for you? Right. Yeah, it's a, but, and you I know. did research and it, it, it's not unhealthy. You can stay in there, but your, your mind is telling you this is bad. It's selling, sending all those signals, danger, danger, danger. Right. And it's getting really loud. So you're like, I'm going to get out. That's what pain is, right? Pain, that pain notice is a danger signal. So that's what I was hearing. And this is basically saying, Hey, look, you got to. You got to get used to being uncomfortable. You have to understand. You have to be able to tell yourself, "Hey, this is not dangerous. I could do this. I've done this before." So you got to do cold showers first. So I'm in that process now of respecting the endeavor a little bit more, doing the cold showers. And so, yeah, this is. I can thank Alex Crockford for uh, for this process. <laughs> All right, for our listeners, take a listen now and see what Alex had to say that motivated Marty enough to give this a shot. I'm not there yet. Every now and then, on a 90 degree day. After some beach volleyball, I'll take a cold shot. But other than that, I'm not there yet, but I, I admire you for it. So, all right, guys, take a listen. If you want uh, more information, we're going to have a link to uh, the benefits of taking cold showers uh, in the show notes. So, all right, take a listen. Here we go. Cold water therapy has a lot of great science thrown in there. A lot yeah, of good yeah. stuff. I just, I want to talk mainly on the, on the mental side of doing it. Um, and I'm not always good at doing it. Usually the time where I give myself an excuse like it's really cold 
outside or, or I don't have time to do it today are usually the days that I have that um, perspective and self-awareness being like, what voice is saying that? The wrong voice. This is, this is the time to do it if you're making up an excuse. Because if you do what's challenging there and you fight that battle and, and beat yourself, make a great decision there, which lasts just one minute, I feel like it strengthens the decisions I have to make for the rest of the day. I've done something difficult already. And it's a great feeling when it's over as well. And finding, trying to get away from that instant gratification that I personally can easily fall into with the world, with the world of social media and, and ordering food very quickly and all of this. When, you, when something is easy up front, it's usually bad for you in the long term. And when something is hard up front, it's usually good in the long run. Usually, not all, not all the time, but I find that with exercise and cold showers and healthy food. All right, maybe I'll take a cold shower and see, if, you know, or start taking cold showers, baby steps, man, and then I'll take the plunge maybe in, in a couple of weeks or so. But uh, it's funny, that leads us into our, our next segment. Again, Alex was about um, creating positive mind thoughts hab as it relates to habits. Now, our guest on episode four, Janine Grayson, who is a life coach, her approach is kind of different depending on obviously where you're at as a, as a client of hers. But I really like the takeaway um, from my interview with her was how do you stop negative habits, getting off a hamster wheel, as she calls it. If you're constantly practicing bad habits and you don't even know it, how do you identify them and advice on how to address them to change it and get into a positive mindset? So I think you guys are going to find this really interesting. So take a listen. Again, we'll have some, some links to more information with Janine Grayson in the show notes, okay? So here we go. The hamster wheel mentality that I talk to my clients about a lot, you know, when we think of a hamster wheel, we think of a hamster just running in circles, doing the same thing over uh, day in and day out. And sometimes the hamster will pick up speed and just run faster, but essentially the hamster is just running the same route, maybe slower, maybe faster, running the same route. I always like to say when we want to implement change in our life, we have to get off the hamster wheel in the sense of our mindset and our willingness to try things a different way. So it's not always about, gosh, I didn't do that again today. I'm just going to try harder tomorrow. It's not always about trying harder. If something isn't happening, we have to ask ourselves, why is it not happening? Do I need to, you know, shrink the practice, make, make it a, a shorter time spend? Do I need to try to do it first thing in the morning as opposed to saving it until after work? Do I need to schedule it and put it on my calendar? Maybe I need to integrate, um, audio reminders. Um, what could I do different to see if I can experience a win and actually get this thing done? So shifting our mindset about that hamster wheel is a big thing for people because for years I have heard people say, no, I didn't do it. I'm just going to try harder tomorrow. And it's like, no, we need to get clarity on why something's not happening and, and, and have the honesty to just ask ourselves, hey, it's not happening. What could I do different? All right, good stuff. Uh, I don't know about you, Marty, but after that episode, I really took a, a proactive approach to uh, trying to identify what are some of the negative things that are constantly in my mind that keep me from either doing an extra 10 minutes of cardio or, or buying some extra healthy fruit when I'm grocery shop, whatever the case is. I'm actually more mentally aware of the negative things that are constantly creeping up in my mind. It, it really helped me. But with that said, we're going to jump into episode six was with Jacqueline London. Jacqueline is a dietitian, a brand consultant, and a nutrition and health media expert. Our biggest takeaway, at least mine, was her uh, commentary on intermittent fasting. Um, it's a very insightful discussion we had 
you know, there's a lot of mixed messaging out there uh, in the media, especially with social media, TikTok, you know, constantly getting bombarded on what's good, what's not good. And I, I, I believe in what she states that it ultimately depends on the person, right? And your lifestyle. I have heard people in my family that have been practicing uh, fasting for years. They don't eat their first meal until noon. I practice it somewhat. I have my last meal by six and I don't eat again until after I work out the next day, which is about 7 a.m., 8 a.m. So if you want to consider that fasting, I don't know, but I try not to eat late at night. I mean, if you listen to our show, um, we ask everybody, what, when is their last meal? And I'm really surprised at some of the answers. Yep. Right? Yeah, they're very, very uh, diverse. The, the yeah. habits you would think that oh well these are all very healthy people these are all very you know wellness minded people they're going to have very similar you know sort of nighttime habits I mean there were a couple a lot of people talked about you know shutting off electronic devices early I think that there you no know, I don't think anybody said yeah the last thing I love to do before I go to bed is play Fortnite right so that that. That wasn't, that wasn't, you know, like that, that wasn't the answer we heard from you. But other than that, very, very different answers. Yeah. And if you remember, she actually said, I think she has a something sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. We were yeah. both just, our eyes yeah. just blew up. But. <laughs> yeah. I so think, again, and I, I think that's the most surprising. Like we had our eyes blow up a bunch of times with what people said they did before they go to sleep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> like, so. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation um, and let's see if you get the same takeaway we did. Um, but without any further ado, check it out. The research is very limited. And as a practitioner, I'm practicing from, it's an evidence-based practice, nutrition science, but it's not just research. It's also about clinical experience. And in my experience, it is this, it, it is the lack of sustainability of being able to do this long-term that ultimately is often the greatest hindrance. Now, when I say this out loud to people, I will often get the, you don't know anything or do your research or, <laughs> or some other sort of like idea that I've insulted or offended someone. So I will just say, just to, to kind of, you know, cut, cut that off right at the knees here is that honestly, whatever works for you is ultimately, as a practitioner, the most important thing. So if someone is listening to this and is fasting right now and they're like, I just got to get to 12 o'clock or whatever it is, that they really feel like it's really working for them, then do you, you know, like I support you in that. If that's working for you, then go for it. All right. So hopefully um, if you're interested in intermittent fasting, you're going to do some research on your own because again, everybody's body's different. Your lifestyle habits are different. So do what works for you. But that's going to lead us into our next segment because <laughs> Marty and I were both kind of blown away. Uh, it's actually episode number 11 with Ray Austin, who happens to be um, a retired NFL football player, played for several NFL football teams. He's now in his mid-40s. So we talk about uh, what has changed in his exercise routine as he's gotten older, what are his eating habits, and you're going to be blown away by what he had to say. He doesn't even, Marty, I, he doesn't even have his first meal until 2 p.m. And then he, I think his last one's at 7 p.m. So between 2 and 7, he's cramming. I, I don't think we got into how many calories, but um, do you remember? Uh, how did you yeah. take away from that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought that was one of my favorite episodes because number one, I mean, he's just a dude. Right. I mean, like that, that guy, it's a great dude. So I don't want to, I don't want to blow the lead here, but I mean, you know, what his habits are before he goes to bed, that was another one of those things where I was like, what? Like, this is a guy who does intermittent fasting. Right. So, and that's not usually something I think of like dudes doing. Right. So when I, like most people that I know that are intermittent fasters are actually like, they're actually women. Right. So, when I was like, Ray Austin, intermittent fasting, like seriously, I was like, wow, that's like, this guy's really serious about his health and like what it does. And then when he talks about like what he does before bed, I was like, okay, I didn't expect that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think he, he uh, I don't remember what alcohol, but he has a drink. He has a glass yeah, that's of wine. Ex that's exactly right. 
you know, that's part of his routine. That's part of his unwind. Right? Unwind, so he yeah, decompresses. He, yeah. that, he understands the way he is, right? He's a high energy guy. So, you know, when he's up during the day, he is, he is moving. He talks about like, you know, he's taking lots of calls during the day. And again, through COVID had a lot, COVID had positive impacts on lots of people. He built a gym in his, in his uh, basement in COVID. And then when he does his, uh, his interviews or his, his phone calls, he will get up on the treadmill throughout the day to do that. Right. So he's running, he's active, he's, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. He's riding his bike around at night. Yeah, he wants to chill out almost every night with a glass of wine. Like that's in very few people's playbook of like, oh, this is the healthiest thing. But you know what is so healthy about that for him is he's not in the perfectionism game, right? So he understands that, hey, I'm allowed to do this. This is important to me. I enjoy this. I do all of this other stuff so well on such a high level and take care of myself. I will, you know, grant myself this thing that gives me joy. And by the way, like, you know, a glass, one glass of wine every night, not going to kill you. If you have two every once in a while, probably not the end of the world. If you have two every night, that's not good. You know, it's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? so you start getting into that, into that yeah. levels, but for w- what he's doing, like he's fine. Like that, that, that works. And that lack of perfection, that, that being okay with himself, granting himself that, that was huge to me. Yeah. And I I love, he really hit home on the lifestyle aspect of it, right? Right. We always preach that you can't look at it as an option. If your mindset is it's your lifestyle, you're going to do whatever it takes. Hence the gym in the basement during COVID. If he's only got 40 minutes available and that a meeting pops up, he's on his treadmill doing a Zoom call on his treadmill. I love that. I haven't done that yet, but that's serious commitment, right? It's like not an option. You do it, you, you know. It's part of your everyday life. So, all right, guys. Well, again, we're going to have links in the show notes, but we got a little clip here to show you some of our favorite parts of that conversation. So check it out. This is, this is a lifestyle. You got to see this as a lifestyle. You're putting too yeah. much pressure on yourself as you're working out. Like it, that shouldn't be the case. It should be the place where you're supposed to be getting out all of that, that tension and stress and anxiety. And so she's starting to understand that it's, this is a lifestyle. You, Yoga is a lifestyle, you know, it's something you learn. It's in meditation is a lifestyle, you know, the, the results are great, but the journey's even better. Like yeah. that's, I, I feel like that's really how, that's how I try to approach it. Finish with the day. How does your, your evening routine work? I know you stop eating early. Do you, do you meditate in the evening as well? What does your screen time look like? How do you make sure you get a good night's sleep? I, I wake up ready to grind. I am I'm the I'm definition of play hard, work hard, play hard. And so when I'm done with the day, I want to have a nice, nice glass of wine or a nice little chill, little vodka, little, 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 little And you know, Lami, I'm just so energized all the time. Yeah. That's my, that's my way of smoothing out and also like thinking about how the day went. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going through the day like, all right, cool. I did. Okay. Right. Didn't know that worked out. Mm, okay. And it's just a, it's just a calming down before the yeah. show. All right, guys. Thanks for staying with us here. We're, we're going to move right along. This next episode, episode number seven with Jesse Solace. This is really going to relate to anybody out there who's unfortunately suffered from an injury and it set them back a little bit. And you've noticed when you started um, physical activity again, whether it was just everyday life or in the gym, how certain body parts were kind of felt like they were off balance, right? So foundation training, it's an incredible technique, incredible training method that helps you identify and address those issues. Jesse Salas was a, a, a firefighter who tore his MCL. And I'm not even going to try and get into it. I'm going to let you guys listen to how foundation training helped him identify his pain points and how he overcame them. You're really going to find this interesting. So without any further ado, check this out. When I tore my MCL doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I realized I had some imbalances, found foundation training, and got involved. And it just blew my mind because here I am going, I need to target my knee, but really was we're going to target your entire body. And Dr. Goodman, we had had a relationship because he had gone to UCF. I was a fireman in Orlando. So we were able to reconnect and he just said, come out and let me help you. And so I did. And as I started doing these exercises for my knee, my whole body's shaking. 
I'm feeling all these disconnects. And I just was mind blown. I, I came back in two months, took the whole course with them. And then I just kept going back and fast forward, I started bringing into the fire service. We're seeing amazing results for other firefighters that had been dealing with a lot of low back things. It's very, very common in the fire service. And so I started kind of picking up this traction, got more involved with the company. And then they had asked me to come out to do a first responder initiative. And so I initially went out to do that. And then things changed and I didn't end up going back to being a firefighter, which I never thought I wouldn't be a fireman. That was 18 years, 17 years old. I was a volunteer, 18. I was on the job and that was my world. That was my path. And then suddenly I saw that I was making a, able to help people from a different manner and letting people recognize how through doing this work can really shift wellness in so many avenues that it just became the new passion. And so here I am fast forward and on the front lines leading with Dr. Goodman and the team. Foundation training. A lot of great content. Make sure you check out their YouTube page. Check out Jesse on Instagram. Again, we're going to have all his links in the show notes. So we're going to move along. Episode number eight, The Cancer Comeback with Fitz Kohler. I think most of us either know somebody, family member, coworker, whatever in our circles that have had to deal with cancer, right? Everybody, I can't imagine what they go through when they hear about it, right? And what their mental approach is to not letting it or letting it affect their lives, right? So this conversation we have with Fitz, she's a true inspiration. She's walked the walk. She didn't let it stop her. Literally from the day she found out, we talk about how she dealt with that and how she started to even using her story to inspire others. It's really an inspirational story. So I'm sure you guys are going to be able to take something from this. So make sure you stay tuned, okay? So we make decisions, right? There's always things we can control. And even with cancer, I want people to know there's things we can control. And I have my new books, The Cancer Comeback Series. It's all towards getting people to to grab the reins of their own life and and do the best that they can with what they can. And so one of the main decisions I made before I started treatment, and again, I didn't know what was going to go on. I had no idea how sick I was going to be. And I, I basically looked like I had, or I felt like I had a either a violent stomach bug or food poisoning every single day for 15 months. So go go function with that type thing. But I decided I wasn't going to let cancer take special time from me and my kids who were teenagers. And if they had a show, a sport, a ceremony, I was going to be there no matter what. And then I also wasn't missing out on my career. And my career pretty much requires me to get on an airplane and fly across the country almost every weekend of the year and host tens of thousands of runners. I'm a professional race announcer. And I just decided I'm not going to do it now or I'm not going to miss out on that now if I had, because most people would say, oh, you have cancer, you have chemo, radiation, stay home. You know, now the mentality is hide out, wear a mask, isolate. And instead, I just said, no, I'm I'm not going to do those things. And if I had stayed home, fitness would have fizzled out, right? People would have forgotten me. I would have been replaced in every capacity. And I'd probably be scraping by right now. But because I took my bald head and uh, sick body on the road, and I had miraculous experiences, I would sleep on the hotel bathroom floor to stop the earth from spinning type thing. And then I dragged myself up at 4.30 in the morning when my alarm went off and I would get over to the finish line. And the second I stood on my stages, absolutely everything that was wrong with me disappeared. I got to be full force Fitzkohler again for as long as I had an athlete out on the course. And so, you know, clearly my job is unique and there's a lot of adrenaline and the dopamine and the excitement and so forth. But if you love what you do, if you love taking care of animals, or you love painting houses or mowing lawns, whatever it is, it really will have a dramatic effect on your mental, on your mind and allow you to take the focus off the things that are wrong with you and put them on the good stuff. And, and hopefully people don't need to have cancer to uh, harness that joy and those experiences. Wow. Again, my biggest takeaway with that, just truly inspiration. Don't let anything stop you. Where there's a will, there's a way. Find your will what you need to do to keep going, right? So that, that that's the best takeaway from that episode. All right, next, episode number nine, Uncle's Movement. 
Micah Nickens. I think this was both of ours, one of our favorites. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely in the, uh, the yeah. pantheon. This is the ring of honor. Yeah. I think again, <laughs> another guy's guy, right? And I think being in our fifties, he's in his fifties and, and he's walked the walk and he's had some ups and downs, which we get into in the episode. Um, but his main, his mantra is age is just a number, right? Don't let age stop you. You know, we all have daily struggles, stress, uh, hours of availability to devote to fitness and eating right. But don't let age, don't let that stop you. Um, I think there's a part in there where his recent uh, trigger point was after a two-week trip to Europe. Do you remember? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's like, I put on, I think he said, I don't know, 30 pounds or something, some crazy amount of weight. He went on the scale and he did not like the number, right? So I, you know, I know that I've been in that place before. Like I, you know, I've you know, pretty healthy since like, you know, I was a kid, but there was a point in my life that I enjoyed having a couple of beers at night, almost every night. And then sometimes when I had those beers, I'd want some ice cream. It was like, maybe like it was a low calorie ice cream, but still ice cream. And at some point I, I got on the scale and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm now almost 220. Like, yeah, that was that's a, that was a big number for me. Like, and I th- he and I came to similar conclusions, which is, yeah, age is just a number, but you better respect the number because guess what? Like the stuff that you did when you were younger, and you got the result of X, which, and that X result was okay with you. You were good with that. You were still healthy. You were still active. Everything worked. You could, you could, you know, you could function at a very high level athletically and, you know, and your condition was pretty good. Like that stuff. Yeah. That that, it doesn't work when you're in your mid forties, like that you're going to get a different result. You're not going to like the result and you got two choices. You can either accept it and continue on with the same lifestyle he had in your 20s that gave you a good result, but is not giving you a good result now. Or you can do what he did and what I did too, which is, hey, you got you to gotta make some changes because you have to accept that you're not that guy anymore. You're a different guy. You're still very capable. You can do all those things or most of the things that you did at your 20s. Age is just a number, but you better respect the number. You better act accordingly. Yeah. But you remember what kicked off this whole mantra and kicked off his his idea was it stems from addressing mindset and he had a little help. It was his wife. You remember? They got back from that trip in Europe and uh, I think he looked in the mirror and she just happened to be there and she goes, we're going on a diet. <laughs> yeah. He goes, we're. I love that she said we're, right? So she's a team player at least. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he he read off the number and she was like, yeah. okay. We're going she, was probably, she was probably waiting for that moment, right? <laughs> yeah. And he said he just pulled the trigger that day. And uh, he's like, well, what does that exactly mean? She's like, no alcohol, no sweets, et cetera. And since then, he's been on this amazing journey. Uh, I think you guys are really going to like this conversation. But, but he didn't think it was going to be a journey. He just thought it was a diet. He thought it was temporary, right? Right. And then, yeah, no, exactly. And then exactly, it became exactly. a journey. He accepted, this is who I want to be. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hence the uncle's movement, right? So, you know, I, I, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm completely addicted to that lifestyle, but, but I would counter it with daily drinking straight up like two to three cocktails a night, every single day. And, uh, and then the eating carelessly, like, you know, I, I haven't had fast food. I completely took out fast food out of my diet years ago i haven't been to mcdonald's in a long time however carbs are carbs sugar is sugar you know like you but it's it's very easy to still just grind things that taste delicious but aren't necessarily good for you my family and i went to europe for two weeks and we went to paris and parts of italy and obviously food there is amazing and they drink wine all day so it's like you know when in rome and i was like sure i'll have wine for breakfast that person is I came back and I jumped on the scale and I was just like, whoa, okay, crap. This is the most I've ever weighed in my life. And it was like one of those, like, okay, I cannot get used to this because then this is going to be my, my new weight. And then two years from now, I'm going to jump up another 10 pounds. So 
kind of out of the blue. Yes, I, I made mention to my wife, like, holy smokes, I weigh this much right now. I was like, 205. So I told my wife, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm like, I've, I've hit a record with my weight. And she's like, really? You know, so one morning I'm drinking my coffee and uh, she's like, we're going on a diet. I'm like, oh yeah? She's like, yes, starting today because I hadn't eaten anything. And I was like, all right, I'm in. What does this entail? She's like, no drinking. Staring at her like, really? She's <laughs> like, no, no carbs. And you know, you're going to hit the brakes on sugar. Wheat, we we're going to hit the brakes on sugar. And I was like, all right, I'm in. I need to lose this weight. I needed that little kick in the ass. Let's do this. And uh, I, I, we, di we did it with the exception of having one treat day a week where we could kind of splurge and I could have a cocktail or two and create a little balance. So I wasn't completely ruling it out. And up until that point, I had it not had like a drink nightly for, unless I was just sick. Like if I had like a bad flu or a cold or something, I wouldn't drink, but otherwise I'd have a, I'd drink every single night, not to the point where I'd get drunk, but I would drink. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm up for this challenge. I did a month break maybe like five months prior, I did like a sober month. I forgot what month it was, but, and it felt great. So I did it and it was like, whoa, I'm sleeping much better. It took a little while for the weight to start to wear off. You know, it wasn't happening as quick as I hoped, but all of a sudden, like three months later, I was starting to see the results, like where it was like, people are coming up to me going, you lost a lot of weight. I'm like, yes, that is such music to my ears. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I don't miss alcohol. Like when, when I would have that treat night, I'd feel like shit the next day. Pardon me. I've, I wouldn't, I'd feel horrible the next day, the, the alcohol and I would, and I would sleep poorly that night too. So I was like, okay, this is like a blessing in disguise where I, I needed to like firsthand experience what the results will be versus what I'll be told. And, and it was like a game changer and it just really reset my mindset ah love it love it love it uh we're actually gonna book micah again soon i think i'm gonna try and get him back in episode two for an episode to see what's going on with uncle's movement that takes us to patrick quinn episode 12 uh, another great life story to hear about uh, talk about motivation a different different reasons right a yeah, completely you, you different know, journey. You, you say talk about motivation. I'm going to say the mo the biggest thing I took away from him was not motivation. It was mindset. Like this is a unique guy, right? No, this I mean motivation in the sense of like, wow, listening to that, looking in your life, if you've got something that you think is stopping, you know, this should motivate you after listening to this to address that, right? That's all I meant. Yeah, I know what you mean though. You're right. Mindset, mindset. You're right. It, I mean, his mindset is, you know, amazing. You know, I, I, he's like one of those guys who runs into the fire, right? I mean, he's not For a fireman. Sure. It's not, but he runs into, I mean, that dude ran into so much disappointment. He set himself up for so much disappointment time after time after time. And he took it and he just went on and went for the next. He didn't stop aiming super high. He didn't stop doing you know, going for low probability rewards. To him, he had an amazing journey filled with tons of disappointment, like brutal, painful disappointment that he just brushed off. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was I, ups and downs, right? Um, he had listeners. a bunch of downs. The dude had yeah. a bunch of downs. Well, he had some ups earlier in life. So, I mean, what he was on the U.S. speed skating team. Well, he played hockey in college, or yeah, he played he played hockey in college, but he wasn't good enough to make it, you know, to the to the to the top level or to the NHL, right? right so so he, he went on the speed so skating team. That, yeah. I don't know that that's you know. So then he decides, oh well, I'm going to go on the speed skating team. So what does he learn on the speed skating team? He learns that he's not a good enough speed skater to get the Olympics. He almost. Almost, he did everything. He gave everything. He's almost, just like hockey, he's almost, but he didn't. So again, huge disappointment. So what does he do then? So luge team. Luge team. He decides to look at the age of 30 or whatever. But he made the U.S. national luge team, uh, a national championship. I mean, crazy. And he did all this before he became a businessman, right? And then life happens. You start a family. You, you kind of 
get off that journey and, you know, don't know what his, his fitness routine was in his thirties and forties. But then in his forties, he gets motivated by an inspirational, um, story happened to do with Paralympics, um, which is just an incredible story. And then he starts running and getting into Ironmans, like in his forties, like, wow. Right. It's like really cool. So, but my biggest takeaway, and he gets a little granular in the conversation about how he deals with, you know, breaking through pain barriers. And like, when you think you hit your limit, when you're working out, what is your mental approach to just breaking through that extra mile or that extra 30 seconds on the treadmill or the Stairmaster, whatever it is. And I actually have um, started using his mental thought process in that. In that, So uh, to learn all about it, um, you're only going to learn by listening to this incredible conversation. So uh, if you want to learn more about Patrick, we're going to have links in the show notes as well. So, but take a listen. And, and, and hopefully you could take away the same inspiration we did. There you go. We were talking about habits and, and likely a habit that I have pulled out of that. And I have this conversation with a lot of my athletes when they go into speaking gigs and, and these sorts of things that we talked about how the time to dream is at night when you're like going to sleep, the day's over, the noise of day to day distractions have been turned down. And it's just you and your thoughts of, what do I want to do? And you can do whatever you want. You can, that's the time to dream, right? But when the alarm goes off in the morning and you get out of bed, that's the time to execute, right? Now it's a time. What do I need to do today, right now, in this moment, this morning, to get one tiny step closer to where I ultimately want to be? And this is the same kind of thing that all these athletes do. They're not focused on four years from now. They're not focused on this, this winter or whenever they're competing. They're focused on the workout I got to do today, not even this afternoon, the one I got to do in the morning. Can I put that in? And it's interesting, right? Now my athletic days are behind me, but you asked me a habit. One of the things that I actually do, I try to do it at least twice a week, but I definitely do it once a week is I do a workout on a, on a bicycle, stationary bike, where I will ride pretty much as hard as I can for a minute and then rest for 30 seconds. And I try to do that hard, one minute, rest for 30 seconds. And the goal is to make it to 30 minutes of doing that. And then the next time, start over, but turn the wattage up. So it's continually getting harder. And the only thing I'm trying to do, and I have some good days and bad days when I'm doing this, the only time I think I'm trying to do is get through the one I'm in right now. The one repetition I'm in right now. Can I get through the next 37 seconds, the next 21 seconds, the next eight seconds before I get that 30 second bite of rest? That's the only thing I'm trying to focus on. Because if I think about, oh my God, I'm tired already. There's no way I'm getting through a half hour of this. Forget it. The workout's gone before you've even started, right? And it's just this exercise of breaking down something hard into bite-sized pieces. Because can I get through another 17 seconds before my legs fall off. Yeah, I could do that. Like then just think about that, you know? And so, well, I don't really have this conversation with very many people at all. Right. And then when I do, they're like, wait, why do you do this to yourself? That, that sounds like it sucks, you know? And it does at the moment, but then again, you think, okay, because I often think in the mornings when I'm doing these workouts, right. There's an opportunity right here, right now to do a good workout or to quit. Right, it's right. It's only on me. Nobody cares. It's just me in my basement doing this stupid workout. Nobody in the world even knows I'm doing it. Nobody cares. It's just one opportunity for me to test myself. Right, and honestly, I don't make it every time. There are times I'm done, whatever. But like you said, you get tomorrow to try again. But more often than not, I'm really able to focus on just right now. I think you surprise yourself what you can endure. You know, and that's, that's a habit that I think I've taken from athletics and I'm hanging by a thread, but I'm trying to hold it on to. All right. Good stuff. So hopefully you guys are inspired after listening to Patrick Quinn. All right. Moving along. Episode 15 with Sarah Mackamer, Overcoming Adversities. Uh, Sarah is a fitness trainer, but she's had a journey to say the least. 
she uh, explains how Crohn's disease kind of uh, had an effect on her fitness journey and her overall wellness as it relates to maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So if you or anybody you know has dealt with some some um, issues relating to the gut, Crohn's disease or anything like that, you might find this conversation insightful. So my biggest takeaway from the conversation was kind of validation because I re- I remember years ago, and I don't remember what I went to the doctor for, but we were we started talking about diet, and I actually, it was an intern, an internist, and and I was informed that to become a doc, they don't even have to get certified in nutrition to get a medical license, and that just blew me away, and that really opened my eyes to okay, I need to take it upon myself to do as much research as I can because not only are we all different, right, and our metabolism and our, you know, just overall health as it relates to genetics, how we eat is different. You know, what's going to work for me is not going to work for Marty, right? Yeah. So, and, and doctors tend to be, you know, they tend to be really good at fixing things, right? So, hey, hey, oh, oh well, let, let me fix this. Let me fix this. Well, you know, part of health is like creating a system where your body fixes itself, right? So, in order for something to go wrong, like the systems, because your body has systems inside of it, like most of the time it could fix itself. If you have the right nutrition, if you have the right sleep, if you have all that stuff, and yeah, I mean, so you know, health is is our responsibility, right? It's it's not just uh, it's not just the doctor. If you leave it to the doctor, you're in big trouble. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I had a talk with a good friend of mine as a doctor, and he goes, "You have to remember, our in our system, it's reactive. It's not proactive, right? And that just, oh, right." They only do something if something they say it's broken, I'll fix it, right? They're reacting to, oh, well, I'm have this problem. They're, they've been trained on how to fix it, right? And proactive is what we, what we're talking about. Hey, let's, let's create a, let's put you in a position where your body's own systems can heal itself, can recover, can, you know, address these things before you have to go to the doctor. So you don't have to go to the doctor very often at all, right? So that's the best, like health is about. You don't have to go to the doctor, especially in our system that is reactive. If you don't have anything to go to the doctor about that. Right. You're just going through the motions and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're in your early forties when things really start slowing down and you're like, damn, I wish I would have taken better care of myself. Now you're in reactive mode, right? And that ends up costing you more money. It costing, you know, your lifestyle issues. You can't enjoy yourself with kids, with family members, yada, yada, yada. So I, yeah, again, I found it very interesting. I'm sure you will too. So take a listen. These doctors do not tell you anything about diet, anything about, they, it's it's more like this. Maybe don't eat popcorn because uh, you it might get stuck or, you know, um, cherries might not be a good idea. Stuff like that. Like you could probably figure that out on your own, but they kind of give you like a warning, like, hey, a cherry pit could get stuck and you might have to come in for surgery, but it's never like, you know, maybe cut back on the alcohol. Like, what are your daily habits? Like, what do you do on the weekend? It's nothing like that. And it's really sad because my doctor who was a resident at the time is now um, the head of the department. And he is this like literally world renowned doctor. And we've been on several podcasts together. And I always talk about the nutrition aspect and he kind of gets pissed. I mean, he's like, but the medication and I'm like, but the gut health. So we kind of have this like, you know, I'm like, how can you not talk about this kind of stuff? And it's only about the meds and it's only about the surgery. And it, and it kind of blows my mind. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, uh, the carpenter having a conversation with the iron worker, right? I mean, they're, they're like, they're fundamentally different trades, but they're not. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So it wasn't talked about. It just was like, oh, here I go. You know, here's your medication. I hope this helps. I mean, it wasn't like that, but you know, he, he is a very kind and caring doctor. But he is just not into nutrition at, at all. All right, great. We're going to move along. We're going to talk about Rod Ravinsky, episode number 17. Again, um, might take it as inspiring, right? You might take it. I'll tell you what, Marty, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, this, this was really, um, it was a fabulous interview because it was very unlike almost all the other interviews that we did. Right. So in a lot of the interviews we've done, we've done them with personal trainers or guys who have like done triathlons or guys who are, you know, they've done incredible things. 
And that's great. And we think of ourselves as like, wow, we're really fit and we're, you know, sort of like more type A personalities and we're going to, you know, and we relate to that so well. Right. And Rod Ravinsky was a guy that I'll be honest, I had a tough time relating to him in that interview and who he was is different than who I thought he was. Right. So when I'm talking about it, I'm getting a sense that he's a little bit, you know, he's not like super comfortable in the in the interview and i'm yeah, thinking remember you, like, you thought he was an introvert yeah, I remember that. yeah yeah because i'm an introvert so i'm seeing oh okay well i get this guy he's an introvert he didn't like gym class because he you know that's all group stuff and you know and i'm an introvert and so there were parts of gym class that i didn't love because it was all like socializing and stuff like that which to me like the petty socializing like i don't i don't love that that much right so i'm thinking that he's an introvert and he's like no <laughs> it's like I love socializing. I was so I felt excluded from gym class because I was so bad at all of the other stuff that I couldn't socialize. Completely different than me. Like I was, you know, I was pretty decent in, in gym class. I was definitely better than average, you know, and I love gym class for the competitive nature of it and what you can do, getting, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I looked forward to it. And I didn't like the chit-chatting and all the other stuff. That's what he felt excluded of. So I didn't understand this guy at all. And through the process of the interview, I came to understand him, you know, better. And even though we were so different, I could see what health and fitness gave him, right? So he, you know, like a couple of other people, again, COVID, like had what was initially a very negative effect on him but ended up being very positive, right? So he realized through COVID, he wasn't getting the social interaction that he needed. He found a runner's club, right? That runner's club led him to understand, hey, the power of fitness, right? He lived life as the fat, chubby kid who was uncoordinated and was scared of gym class. But when he found his joy of running, which he actually found because he wanted social connection, he then decided he loved fitness. He was going to not only you know, do running, he was going to actually attack you know, getting into a gym, which he had never done before and he was scared of. And you know, it put him on a path, that confidence that fitness gave him, put him on a path to sort of heal a bunch of those old wounds. So a fabulous interview and and really to me speaks to the power of physical health and the, the the power of health and fitness to improve your mental wellness and your mental happiness those internal dialogues that you have so to me really really great interview yeah i felt the same way it was such a different angle right as it relates to what we thought we were going into and what we took out of it right, right. it's just like it was very interesting, and I, I had some people reach out to us and thanking us for that conversation. Um, I, I think a lot of people will be able to find something in there that inspires them or to tell their friends or loved ones that kind of had, had a similar journey, right? And it's interesting how he's no longer running as much, but he's working out in the gym now with a trainer, right. with Tim Liu, who we had on the show as well. Uh, we'll have a link in there for his episode, um, which was very uh, in, in, um, intuitive as well. So, hey, take a listen, check it out, and hopefully you can take something out of it like we did. It had nothing to do with competition. The only competition I had was with myself. And can I, can I accomplish this? But I would walk, unlike you when you got to the marathon, when I got to the start line, which I always saw as the win, the win wasn't necessarily completing the race. The win was showing up. The win was signing up, showing up, and getting to the start line. And once your, your foot crossed the start line, that to me was the biggest win. It didn't matter if I didn't complete. I always completed. But for me, the showing up was the win. Marty, isn't that funny? Because one thing we, we preach all the time on, this, uh, on the show is, is just get to the starting line. Get yeah. to your starting point. You know, first, identify what that is. And begin your journey. Don't worry about the destination because if you do, you're setting yourself up for failure. We always thought, it's funny you just said that's a great parallel to what we kind of promote. Yeah. 
So, so, and, and oftentimes, so, so for me, getting to the starting line is a lot of times inertia, right? So that, that, you know, different people have different issues getting to the starting line. For me, it's usually inertia, slot, you know, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. But I never consider getting to the starting line a win. So when you say getting to the starting line is a win for you, why is that? Why is getting to the starting line a win for you? Because I showed up. And because... But why is that hard for you? Uh, for me, it's hard for inertia and slot. Why is it hard for you? I think, again, it goes back to the fact that I didn't show up when I was in PE class. I wasn't there. I wasn't invested at all. And when I, show up to the, when I used to show up to the races, I had done the training. I was ready for, in your mind, competition. I was ready to accomplish the goal. And you weren't going to be embarrassed? No, because it was my race. It was my pace. It was my own journey. And that's the one thing I loved about the sport. I was in competition with myself. And you prepared, right? Absolutely. And you prepared, right? So, so you were confident in, hey, I know what I'm doing. Like, I have an idea of like, hey, I, 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 I kind of got this, right? Which is not a feeling he had as a kid, right? When exactly. Like, so, And there was also no one judging me. The only person judging me was myself. You know, I'd look back at the results and go, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Or I'd look how amazing I did. And a very good friend of mine used to say, you know, when you show up to the race, make sure you bring one important thing. I said, what's that? She said, your excuse. Because at some point, something will go wrong and you'll say to yourself, oh, I didn't bring enough water. Oh, my leg was hurting. So she said, when you show up to the start line, don't forget your excuse as well. Because yes, you've done the training, you've done the work. But at some point, something's going to happen and you have to say to yourself, well, that's the excuse. But you accept it and you move on. And like I said, I never, I completed every race that I started. And that brings us to episode 18, the last interview of season one, which was very interesting. It got a little scientific, but um, if you want more information on metabolic efficiency training, check out the link in the show notes below. But we have a great talk with Eric Mulholler, um, who is a fitness trainer. Um, we discuss how certain methods can help you burn fat and optimize your physical fitness without going to your carb or protein storage, right? A lot of us, especially if you've been working out normally or doing your own research over the years, you, you know, one year it's you want more carbs and less protein. And then the next year it's more protein, less carbs. Again, it all depends on where we're all at in our own journey, right? So, but this, this approach is starts with a baseline test to find out where your metabolic rate is. And that ultimately determines, okay, how is your body burning stored fat at rest? That then determines what you need to intake, right? For your, you know, food storages later. Um, it's very interesting. Again, the takeaway is, wow, can I really burn fat when I'm not in the gym? That's what we found interesting. And I think you will as well. So I'm going to stop talking now so you can listen. Check it out. It's basically training your body to utilize fat storages as your main fuel source rather than going to your carb or protein storage, right? So what I do with, with clients, and everybody's different once again. So like maybe someone eats a ton of carbs all day long or someone doesn't eat carbs. I have to work with them differently. But we try to carb unload them. and try to train their body to utilize their fat storages as their main fuel source. Because you have like 70,000 calories of fat stored in your body. And if you can utilize that. So then going from the kids, we found out that it actually works with athletes really well. So your long-distance endurance runners, you see people that have to take gels or Gatorade every 30, 45 minutes. You don't really need to do that. You can train your body to not rely on that kind of stuff. And once again, going back to your fat storage as your main fuel source. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah. So even, even your ultra marathoners are doing this and they're just like, they're loading up on more fats during their, their meals and not as many carbs. Now I'm not saying carbs are bad. Your good grains are obviously really good for you still. Like your, your farro and your brown rice and that kind of stuff. But you may not have that in every single meal. So what we're training clients to do is have a 50-50 module. So basically, you take a plate, half of it is your proteins and fats. So basically, 
fats are going to come along with most proteins. So if it's animal-based or even if it's plant-based, there's a little bit more fat to those, like beans or whatever. So you have your fat and protein. That's one section. And the other side is going to be your vegetables and just vegetables and fruits, okay? You can pile your vegetables up as high as you want because that's and there's not a ton of calories and they're really nutrient-based for you. Um, your, your fruits, depending on what your activity levels are during the week or the month or how your training is going, you may or may not have more fruits during that time. And then we take that plate module 50-50 and let's say I'm training you, Lottie, for uh, a triathlon. You have a triathlon this weekend. All right, we're going to start throwing some more grains and good carbohydrates into that 50-50. So now you have 50% vegetables and, pro- and uh, fruit. And then you may break it off to like 80% protein and fat and then maybe like 20% carbs. And then depending on how your week's looking, you may take some of that away, the carbs away. Or, but ultimately, you want the 50-50, right? All right, folks. Hopefully you got as much out of season one as we did. You know, our goal is if everybody can take away at least one nugget, right? One little hack that can help you get to that starting line and start that train moving forward. Because again, we've said it many times during the season, right? It's not about the finish line. It's about the starting line. You know, finding your why. Why am I not doing this? Or why aren't I doing this better? Right. So hopefully, you know, we've talked about a little bit of this and a little bit of that that could help you find your why. Marty, I'd love to hear just a quick, you know, rundown of your opinion on season one. First of all, I learned so much, you know, and it surprised me in lots of stuff and in lots of ways. I don't know that I really found my why, but I think what for me, the conclusion I came to is that for me, the why is a lot less important than, you know, what, what's the old Nike slogan? Just do it. Just do it, right? Because that's who I want to be. I want to be that guy who just does it. So maybe that's the why for me, but it's something, you know, I know you talked about that in the, in the interview with, uh, with Patrick Quinn, you know, and you were like, the why for you is, you want to, you know, you think about your son and this is who you want to be for your son. But to me, it's just, just do it. It's just the mindset. That's to me what I took away from, 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 uh, from Patrick Quinn, who thought, he thought that he was being motivated by his, he was like, how do you do that? How do you do that? your wife? I was like, well, but you did all of this other stuff before you even knew your wife. So what are you talking about? Your wife didn't motivate you to like, you know, take up speed skating after you, you know, couldn't make it in hockey and then take up luge after you couldn't make it in speed skate. Like that, you know, that wasn't it. So it was his mindset. So finding a way to get to that right mindset that works for you, that gets you to do the right things. Right. So that's, that's sort of, you know, what I take away. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Uh, that's why we're kind of a, a yin and yang of the ingrained <laughs> and balanced podcast because we approach everything in life just a little different, but at the end of the day, we have the same goal and the same intention, right? To live a well-balanced lifestyle. So folks, listen, hopefully you enjoyed season one. We've got some great ideas for season two. So just a reminder, guys, we're not just looking to talk with trainers or experts of a certain discipline or product or whatever. We're also looking for people that want to share an inspirational story. Anybody that's maybe faced some adversity and they got off track on living a healthy life. And then for whatever reason, they were able to get back on track, but what was their why? What was their trigger point? Um, and if they have an inspiration, an inspirational story to tell, if you know somebody, a co coworker, family member, we'd love to hear from them. We'd love to have them on the show so we can spread the love and inspire others to kind of get back on track and live a healthier, well-balanced lifestyle. Because if we're all living better, healthier, happy lives, it's going to be a much better productive society, right? So if you haven't done so yet, leave us a review, right? I'm assuming you subscribe by now. If you haven't, 
make sure you subscribe to the show. If you haven't watched the YouTube uh, episodes, um, they're great. Please go to YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and most of all, send us a comment. If there's something, an issue, a topic, um, something in the media that you're kind of thinking is confusing and you want us to talk about on the show, we're open to suggestions as well. Just drop us a line, send me an email um, through the website and we'll try to get back to you as soon as possible, okay? So keep posted and ready for season two episodes coming out in a couple of weeks. All right, guys, take care. And thanks again for tuning in. Bye-bye.